to the truth in this art. I am your host, Wave Daddy, Young Fish, uh, Rob Lee. Uh, for for those who who, who are on a on a baited un, undipped, for you noobs. And today I am uh, super excited to welcome a multi talented creative from Northeast Baltimore gang gang gang. He gang, is gang, a gang, gang. he's a musician, writer, marketing expert, uh, brand consultant, known for his work on Spence Start, a platform for creatives to develop and share original ideas. Please welcome the homie Spence. Welcome to the podcast. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you for having me, bro. Absolutely. 100 percent. Um, and you know, as, as we get into it, I'd like to, you know, obviously there we we know each other. Uh <laughs> we send each other memes. That's, yeah, I yeah. feel like that's when we like established our friendship. It was like, is this a meme? Oh, we good. We good. That's that's the thing. It's it's like it's like you're you're kind of like, all right, how edgy can I get with this? Okay, we good. Send um, me all the funny shit. So if you will, could you could you start off by telling us a bit? Because you're you're in a sort of this this creative polymath lane, right? And yeah. you know, tell us a bit of some of those uh early creative interests and really sort of what's your story, particularly when you were growing up. So early creative interests and really what was the like the highlights of like growing up um for, for you when it comes to your creative and some of the work that you're doing now? Cool. So uh, where the story, the story for me starts is um, in elementary school. Uh, I've always kind of been really keen or like always had like a really keen interest in music itself. And uh, my father was a musician. Uh, he sang. He was one of the like the major voices at uh, Morgan State and uh, Nathan Carter's uh, ensemble that he had there. He also sang for the band at Morgan State. So I've, I've always had like a lot of exposure to music throughout my life. But I would have to credit my elementary school uh, music teacher, Miss Minor. She was the choir director there. And That's a great she, name, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like my my entire story is just littered with like gems and like cool stuff. It's like, oh, that that I see how that works. But um, <laughs> she um, she was pretty much organizing all the kids there, and I I know that I probably wasn't that good at singing. But it was the exposure to music that was really important. You know what I mean? It was like I got to explore it with reckless abandon. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, naturally, the next step from there was going into church, being a church choir and everything along those lines. But the thing that I've always wanted to kind of get to or get my hands on was the drums. But as with many kids in Baltimore City, we didn't really have a lot of resources. So I just kind of had to make do with what I could or find the connectivity wherever I could. And um, when I started at Lake Clifton, so uh, I just sped past middle school because that's trauma, that's traumatic for everybody. Uh, <laughs> when I got to when I got to high school, I started to learn how to read music at Lake Clifton. And then once I transferred from Lake Clifton to City, that's really where I was like my brain was just kind of open to like all the the possibilities of music so yeah. it was like learning how to read music then you could play different instruments then you could have like directors that were there that was like really hands-on like my uh my high school director terrence gallup was amazing like he would teach you how to read music he would teach you how to do like pretty much all these different things he took me to my college yeah my first audition like just that is where a lot of it starts. It always started with music with me. But the thing for me, and as quiet as it's kept, I'll always, whenever I would hear music, I would always see film mm -hmm. or I would always see like specific 
images that I would want to put this music to. And naturally, now that we're in this age where you can just kind of create your own things online, I'm seeing a lot of the, the connectivity and seeing how a lot of that things, a lot of those things blend. And um, fast forward in the story a little bit further, when I started gigging for myself, I had to market myself. So yeah. Uh, being out into the field and saying, hey, can you book our band? They'd be like, well, where's your content? And it's like, I have content. I'm just going to create it and make it now for you. And a lot of it is just understanding like the business savviness and being able to kind of talk with people and kind of have like those good business relationships. And it's led me here. Yeah, and thank you. And uh, City Forever, by the way. City uh, Forever. <laughs> <laughs> you you three, right? Yeah, I'm O3, yeah, yeah. yeah. Facts. So it, it's interesting, I think. It's a few things that are in there, and, and thank you for, for walking us through in a very abbreviated way, because it's it's a lot. Like, uh, so you know, middle school, you're right, a lot of bad cornrows, uh, a, lot of, <laughs> a, lot, a lot of time. Hey, that's high school as well for me. But, mm. um, yeah, I, I think when you're you're doing multiple things and figuring out like oh this is how you do this like you might do the creative thing like for me i've been a podcaster and a data analyst almost as long as mm. each other both running concurrently so with someone kind of touching on what you had mentioned hey can you tell us about the data i was like i can actually <laughs> and it's just like you want it in sequel how you want it you you, you pretty much <laughs> how do you want it presented is it you know um and what kind of dashboard you need? Tableau? Got you. <laughs> that's excellent, man. I love being able to play both sides of it because that's where I find with a lot of creatives. Mm -hmm. I've, I've run into a lot of creatives where it's just like they're just creatives. It's like, I just want to create the things. I just want to do the things. And it's like, that's amazing that you're so talented at that. But on the business side of this, mm -hmm. has anyone looked at your books? Do you know how to read analytics? Do you know what analytics are? Okay, well... It's one of the things I, I agree. It's one of the things where y you may not need to be the person that's doing it all the time um, because we always have limited resources. But if you're hiring a person, you need to know what they're telling you to make sure they're not just giving you gas. You know, it's giving you nonsense, what have you. And so in 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 talking about that sort of like I think you you, you covered where sort of that interconnectivity is at and um, and where they overlap. But. Is it something that comes from maybe the music side that goes into the the business side of what your background includes that kind of serves each other? That sort of like intersection between disciplines. Like I'm really about my business when it comes to music because I know what it takes from a um, from a uh, brand consulting sort of standpoint or. I've worked with creatives, so I know some of the unique problems that they interact and, and work with because I'm a creative when it comes to this consulting. I feel like it's a perfect marriage of the two concepts because I've been in both for long enough to understand. So uh, part of the story that I skipped out on was I was in finance. I was in banking for <laughs> a long time, for 11 years. <laughs> and I was I was good enough at it to be like a regional officer. So I would like go out and do these sales presentations and all these things like that. And a lot of that has uh, transferred like transferable job skills when it comes mm -hmm. to like gigging, like getting the gigs for yourself. So often what I would find myself doing is in these business meetings is kind of brokering a deal between the creatives and the business, where it's just like, well, we want to pay you this amount. It's like, well, we're not going to accept that because we've worked 
really hard yeah, yeah. on this creative product that you're trying to lowball us for. So maybe respect the craft a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And on the outside of this, maybe we can configure a better deal for you. So, you know, it's I the way that I viewed it is just kind of like a bringing the two concepts together mm-hmm. and bridging that gap. Um, the thing that I love about my, like, about the way that I, I handle things, I don't feel like I'm a very stubborn person when it comes down to, like, getting things done. So on the creative side of things, if you need me to kind of blend in with what's going on, it's perfectly mm-hmm. fine. But on the business side of things, if you need me to explain it to you a little bit clearer for you, or if you need me to kind of push a deal through, I'm certainly good at that too. You know what I mean? I'm very good at inculcating, making people think it was their idea. Yeah. And and I think that uh, all of that you're describing came through in the initial conversation we had. And I was just like, I know a lot of this, bro. <laughs> you know, it's kind of my energy. <laughs> but also I was just like, all right, let me let me check and get a sense on like what your background was. And it's like, all right, and more so so that I'm not wasting your time. You know, that was kind of the way that I presented it. I was just like, no, I know this. You don't need to really explain that. Or, okay, that's interesting. Let's talk more about that to make the most out of our time and see really how can I, from a, you know, I I was speaking to you initially from a marketing standpoint Mm -hmm. of what can I give you to make what I'm trying to put out there? Because sometimes we we lose the message as creatives. Mm -hmm. I was like, how can I put out this thing that I'm thinking and I'm trying to form still because it was very loose at the time. Mm -hmm. And how can I put that out there that makes like what you're doing easier? How can I give you something that you can say, oh, I can take this, I can run with this, I can make this happen and almost Rosetta Stone that thing. I think a lot of it has to do with grace and the comfortability on both sides of it, because the business side is always going to want to see how profitable it is. Whereas on the creative side of it, you're always going to want to make sure that your craft is being respected. So understanding that, understanding the need on both ends of it, mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit easier for me to articulate. And yeah. at the same time, it kind of makes those difficult conversations easy to have because it's like, well, the business wants you to be able to do this and the creativity isn't bringing this. So where, where do you grow it? Have you ever thought about doing it in this way? And then so on. And I find that, you know, I, I look back at that conversation in some regards as a reference point, right? Where when I'm speaking with someone, I'm trying to give some consulting because I find myself being in that position a bit more mm-hmm. um, recently because of the nature of what I'm doing with this podcast. And people are like, so what do you think? I was like, do you want to know what I think? Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, I got I'm, some a, thoughts. I'm a critic. <laughs> I, I can be a real critic. I was like, uh, so this is where you messed up. This mm. is where you could do it better. And it's like, look, put your feelings out there real quick, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to help you. I assure you this is going to help you. Big facts. I think for a lot of what that that's the sweet spot of being able to just kind of establish how these connections are going to be made. Like the business needs this. The creative needs this. How do we make this work? Yeah. And, you know, being in that spot of I was in marketing, um, marketing analytics for the first five years. (laughs) Wow. Like, you know, after the first two years of doing that, realizing that this ain't it completely. That's when I started podcasting. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like a mix. So I brought a lot of that background and knowledge I had from a marketing standpoint and having a business degree to that approach. So it's just like, this is why these things are set up in a way that this works. I'm sure someone from a creative realm would be like, yo, you sure you should be doing that? Or someone from a business realm is like, I don't know if that's quite sound. It's like, but it works in that way. Mm-hmm. So as a Baltimorean, much like myself, uh, 
What are what are some of the things that define the culture here from a creative or from a branding lens? Um, I, I think I want to spend more time talking about culture for this reason. I find that as time goes on and things erode, the culture gets shifted. Who Who's telling the stories about this is what this is like, you know, mm-hmm. let's say maybe in five, 10 years, we're, we're not part of the conversation anymore, Facts. you know, yeah. and what our vantage point on the culture, quote unquote, isn't as valid or is is gone because time has passed. So, you know, as we document that almost from an archival standpoint, like what is what are some of the things that define like the culture in Baltimore from from your vantage point? From my vantage point, I think it's very important to state that there is more to Baltimore than the HBO narrative that is <laughs> consistently perpetuated. And I say that even as a hypocrite, because I was in We Own the City. So. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, here's the thing. <laughs> I was like, I'll take the money. I'll be the angry black guy. Sure. But there's so much more to the stories that we have here. I think that there's like our, our city is bursting at the seams with creativity, mm-hmm. with different narratives, with um. I would say unique narratives because um, one of the uh, when I when I think of myself, I don't never necessarily think of myself as like a street dude, but I do think of myself as somebody that understood certain aspects of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that is part of the uniqueness of Baltimore City because I was generally a sheltered kid like my parents were very strict it was like be in the house i don't know who these people are blah blah blah. like that's how my parents raised me but even with them raising me like that there was a street element to almost every aspect of my upbringing you know what i mean like my father was a guidance counselor at forest park so i would go with him to school and i would see the things that was happening you know what i mean so it's i think that the danger of baltimore city is it's very evident, but I think that there's gradients of mm. creativity that that come from that, and um, within within those rights, I think that with every Baltimore artist, you're going to find a bit of grit. Mm-hmm. You're going to find a bit of, I, I would say, aggressiveness, and I think that that's just naturally what comes with being a part of the city and having the city be a part of you. I remember being from here and like being just generally like a very reserved person but when i went to school in virginia <laughs> when i went to school in virginia like the, the like the key thing that everybody was it was like you are a very aggressive person like, <laughs> I, I didn't think that i was but in virginia it's like people will just walk up to you and just start speaking on the street it's like i'm not familiar with this Usually when this happens back home, it's like somebody's trying to rob me. So it's like that. It's like a it's an awareness that you get from being in this city. But I think that what you do with that is a part of your creativity. I, <laughs> I I've i gotten the sort of the the response around that of you Rob, we don't know if you're gritty enough. Are you really from Baltimore? That's what I've got. <laughs> I've got like, that. You want me to flip the switch, bro? You want me to rob you? <laughs> what, what do you want from me? And, and and I go into to other cities that I think have sort of that that similarity, like you know New Orleans. Uh, you know, I was talking about before we got started, and in Philadelphia, I'll, I'll go up there and I'll have these conversations. They're like, "You from here, bro?" I was like, "Nah, not at all. From Baltimore, B. Here's here's the thing. I think that when you go into any 
specific area where black people are going to be mm -hmm. the thing that you automatically get if you're from baltimore is a level of respect you get that and you give that mm -hmm. and i think that when you carry yourself a very specific way when you're from here you understand certain hood dynamics you know what i'm saying and true? you know how to carry yourself like if i'm walking past a group of dudes that's in a dice game I'm not going to walk by all meek and shit. I'm not going to be like, uh, I'm going to walk <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm going to walk by like I belong there. You know what I mean? Yeah. One, of, one of my favorite stories of, of myself is for my birthday, uh, 2021, I, one of my favorite cities, well, I'm going to not say one of my favorite cities. My first time going to the city was Chicago. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a book that I was reading. And there was a black publisher in Chicago that Malcolm X was like, uh, like very pivotal and being able to kind of get started. So I took the flight there. I got off. I took the metro in. I took the bus in and everything like that. I found this black publisher and I went in there and they were like, you you took the bus here? I was like, yeah. And they was like, this not it. Because it was on 79th. Yeah. It was like, yeah, like yeah, that's the thing that all the rappers in Chicago talk about. But it's not like I was trying to disrespect. It was more so like, yo, I know where I'm at. I know how to carry myself too. So we, we good. And yeah. I think that is... That I think that is a part of the Baltimore culture mm -hmm. that you get. You know what I mean? It's like you not you know that you don't belong in every hood, but you feel comfortable enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I've gotten things. I'm like, oh, I've traveled and blah blah blah. I'm going here and going there. It's like, yo, be careful. It's like it's it's that. It's like yeah. I, I think I think I'm good. I think I'm good. I think, I, I think I'll be okay. Thank I'm not being I'm not being goofy right now. You know, like it, let's just you know let's live in reality land. You know, this is not Narnia, which is a quote I used to say at work back in the day. <laughs> I was like I like to live in reality land, and it, it's a thing. Like you know, I can go, I can be here, probably being in a place I shouldn't be at, doing something I probably shouldn't do that gets me attention that I didn't ask for. And it's the same thing, and I think you know that it's inherent, it's baked in, and you know, like I, I'll say from this standpoint where. You can go to a city like Chicago. You can go to a city like, you know, New York, which is like nine cities or what have you. Mm -hmm. And you can freak out like, yo, this train is a challenge. And I yeah. was up there and I was like, yo, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. And I ended up like just saying, screw it. I got the Uber. Let me figure out where I'm going. It was 11 bucks. And, <laughs> you know, ultimately it was fine. So when I talked to my man, I kind of had that reset, who was a Baltimore guy that moved a bit of Brooklyn. My man, Isaiah, he was mm -hmm. like, yo, this is what you should do. These are the stops. Bong, bong, bong. Make sure you do this. I followed to the T what he said and i felt like okay i could stay up here i could do this because i didn't get caught i needed at least a baltimore related shirt but to hook it up yeah yeah yeah. And, and, and i told him i was like yo i was on the train and some dude told this other person to suck my dick and i was like all right i'm a new yorker i was here <laughs> i was i was here this happened i was like i got the new york experience where's my hot dog you know what i mean <laughs> facts so, bro facts. so talk about if you will like like the process of like, you know, music and process and maybe collaborating with someone from a branding standpoint, talk about like where your process starts. What's what's something that's in the middle? Like ultimately, how does it work? When do you work your, you do your best work? Because sometimes people are like, yo, I'm up late and this is where I'm getting my peak stuff done because everything is quiet. Talk mm. about that. So my process is very introspective. There's a lot that goes on in my head. 24 7 like um 
one at any given point in time, I'm trying to keep things in balance with myself because a big thing for me is accountability mm. and ownership. So if I'm doing something wrong, I want to be able to identify it and know it. So um, where it go, how that applies to the creative process is this is my, my this is my safe space. I'm in my man cave or my you know the basement, if you will, yeah. and um, usually it's late at night. So my kid is asleep, my wife is in her bed or like doing her own thing and everything along those lines. And I'm down here and I kind of go through like my day or I'll go through events that have happened. And it's kind of like a checks and balance. Like I didn't really handle this that well. And then the questions come. I ask myself a lot of questions of why did I do this? What could I have done differently about this? If I did do something different about this, where could this have gone? And naturally, within answering those questions, I kind of get into like a, a a a bit of combat with my own brain, a yeah. little bit like a chess match. And somewhere within there, I'll just hear like a melodic line, or I'll hear like a bass line, like literally feeding into the scenario that I'm creating. Because remember, this goes back to when I was a child, so I would see the vision first yeah. then the music would naturally come now that i've been a musician for long enough and i have enough capability i can record an idea really quick and it's like oh like i have so many voice recordings from 2022 alone yeah. i've got at least over like 100 or 200 voice recordings and i might consistently sit on an idea or like spit yeah. an idea out over and over and over again just so i can hear like the simple intricacies of it mm -hmm. until i get it and it's like this is the take and then i'll go straight to the laptop or i'll go straight to my keyboard or my drum set i love the fact that everything is just available to me yeah and that's when i'll just start to create and it's not just with music that's how i come up with some of my 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 comedic ideas that's how I come up with some of my my rants. Like that's <laughs> that's how a lot of the creativity happens in this space. It's like I just need time to myself to kind of interrogate myself. Mm -hmm. And the create the creative ideas just kind of appears, and it's like I got you. <laughs> I'm gonna put you in this box and try to package it and push it out that way. I like that. I like that. Um, every now and again, it's where I think for me is where. If I have the the time, uh, if I have the availability, I think space is a big piece of it. Like I'm in my studio, all my cool stuff is in here and I'm able to have fun in here. And every now and again, something comes through or from around people that it's a creative energy just floating around. Like my partner, it's a creative energy. She's mm -hmm. definitely got a creative energy. And just last night I was watching, this is so ridiculous, but it is funny. Um, we were watching this old, old episode, you know, those fake TV stations on regular like like TV. And yeah. it was like um, Force TV. And it was uh, an episode of Perry Mason. And Yafikoto okay. was in there and he had like the wild comb over. And hmm. then when they, they panned to Perry Mason, I was like, why is that Francis Food Coppola? And she was <laughs> like, did you just call him Francis Food Coppola? I was like, I did. She was like, okay, he's character not, good. right. She was like, okay, he's not standing up, so you might be right because he was just sitting down. You know, how you're you watch one of these legal shows. It's like this is my point. He's doing that while sitting down. I was like, I don't think his ankles are good. I was like, I know that. I know that feeling because my ankles don't. And I was like, I'm writing this down. She's like, God damn it, I got him started. And yeah, exactly, and, and you yeah. just got to run with the idea wherever it goes from there. And and that's and that's part of how it goes. It's like this sort of 
nothing is stupid. Nothing is 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 weird in that way that you could almost it's like the interrogation. It's almost having with minimal interruption, almost a discourse with yourself. Because sometimes mm-hmm. I'll sit there and I'll laugh at myself. And I was like, okay, I got to just say this so someone else is in on the bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, even now, like people will ask, like if I'm just having conversations, like are you are you doing bits right now? It's like no. <laughs> it's like you're obviously doing a bit right now. These are funny to me. This is yeah. for me. I'm not putting this out there just yet. <laughs> and you're in a safe because I'm sharing this with you. you know? <laughs> exactly. What an honor <laughs> it is to be you in this moment. You are privileged. Uh, <laughs> what is what is the most exciting or fun part within that the the the, the sort the sort of process for you? Like this is the fun part for me. The spark. The 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 best part for me is the initial. This is going to be a thing. Yep. Where it's like, oh, let me go to my voice recorder. Let me write this down. Let me put this somewhere so I can remember exactly this moment. Because I think that that is where the joy of that. That's the biggest joy of the experience was just like, oh, I get to create something. You know what I mean? Like I get to do something is the best part of it. Um, one of I think Ernest Shaw, he had mentioned this to me. He was like, I don't think that a, a piece of art is ever finished or ever completed. It's mm-hmm. literally like you just stop working on it. And mm-hmm. it's like the bet because you you never because it's never finished, the best part of it is like when you have the idea to make it. And it's like, let me go ahead and add something to it. And then you see it kind of come this full thing. It's like, man, that's the best. That's the best part. It's almost this this challenge. It's funny, Ernest would say that because painter, because <laughs> it's always like painters are the ones that are never done. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. uh, it is it is this thing where it's like I when the the thing is done and it's out there, it's like I, I'm already done with it. You know. So when I get whatever feedback or whatever, sure, that's that's interesting and and, and it's it's cool. But once I'm done with this like sort of recording, I'm moving to whatever the next thing is mm-hmm. and looking at it maybe holistically as a body, but sort of the moment in it, that's the thing that's really exciting. And that's the thing that's really fun and really interesting. And there's almost like, maybe this is weird, but it's almost a sort of hollowness once mm-hmm. it's done, once it's finished, it's like this conversation can't go on forever, but mm-hmm. also the conversation's like, this is a great, this was a great conversation. Huh? <laughs> I, I lied, actually. I lied. My favorite part of any creative process is when you have an idea that feeds into another idea. That is a good one. It is like the sweet, like, it's like, oh, I've got an idea. That's cool. I'm enjoying that. And then like another idea just pops up. It's like, but what if you put them together? I was like, yo. Are you making peanut butter and jelly sandwiches? What are you doing here? (laughs) Is this the creative equivalent of that? It's the best. It is the best, man. Like, ugh. Yeah. And and I think like one of the things, and I go back to the the movie nights, what have you, I like this notion of being able to ideate, having an idea and seeing it come to fruition. Mm -hmm. And I think because it's, part of the larger thing the larger body it always feels like it's like i gotta tap back in i'm getting another hit from this sort of creative energy and i think the thing that's really funny about it at least from from that standpoint and to a degree here it's improvisational yeah which keeps it really interesting if i'm just reading off questions Mm -hmm. it's not a lot that's interesting there it doesn't feel creative it doesn't feel fun one of my favorite art forms is jazz and the thing that I love about jazz is a lot of it is freeform. So like you get mm-hmm. structure 
And it's like, whatever you do with that structure is yours. And you get to have all this freedom and just, as long as you come back and play the head of the tune, you did jazz. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah. Look, I'm trying to be the Charles Mangus of podcasting. Let's look. Go. Oh. Look, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Just me sitting there, like, yo, so can you put that bass down? No, <laughs> never. So, I, I read that, um, creating, creating, right, is a type of muscle, like flexing that sort of uh, creative muscle, right? Uh, we know muscles need to be stretched, warmed up, so on. You lift, I lift, whatever. How do you warm up creatively? My creative warm up is always going to come back to those questions that I ask myself. Mm. It's always going to come back to what is what am I trying to explain today? I don't I'm not an advocate of creating just to create of just putting content out just because everybody else is putting content out. The questions for me is always going to be what's burning inside of me mm -hmm. that needs to get out, that needs to you know be on page somewhere. I think uh, Unique Robinson, she's uh, she's. Um, the she leads the writers workshop yeah. at Motorhouse. And one of the things that she said in one of her poems was like, when she's done with a poem, the page thanks her because mm -hmm. it's like, you gave me purpose. Like you put your heart and soul into this and thank you. Now it's like the page thanks you for like getting it out. Yeah. That's what I look for. And if mm -hmm. I don't feel like what I'm doing is going to give me that type of feeling, I know I just need to ask more questions to myself because there's lots of things that I'm trying to get out, but I need to be motivated enough. So that there's, it's the questions itself that kind of gets me riled up. Yeah. Uh, my wife would call it like my grumpy mood was like, and another thing I need to talk about. You know what I mean? Once I start, once you see the finger go up, it's like, oh, he's on his, there it is. The music is with him. You know what I mean? It, it's, I like that. It's, um, it's uh, curiosity for me. Mm, yes, because I, I've been playing with this idea between creating art, creating content or what have you. Uh, and that's a long and going on conversation. I think, you know, I, I think I approach this as as art. I'm not just doing I'm like, oh, let me talk to everyone I think is popping. Why mm -hmm. would I do that? I, some, yeah. some of the, some of them suck. Some of them are interesting. Mm -hmm. Um I'd rather talk to people that I think I can hold a conversation with and maybe we can have sort of this maybe discourse, but also it's, it's an opportunity to kind of, you know, facilitate that storytelling, but also maybe learn something from, from each other. And I find that a lot of the conversations go really well. And that's not content to me. That's mm. something that's outside of that. This is just something I enjoy doing. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and something that other people get get value out of, I suppose, where it's like, oh, wow, learning more about this person's process. Well, I really needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. I was on the fence about my own creativity. And, you know, I, I was in a class today and, and we were talking about it. And I think I told you a little bit about what my project is going to be about. Mm -hmm. And three or four people were like, wow, I feel like that video idea, a bunch of creatives need to hear because that's a shared feeling of mm. having the naysayer having the, all of the stuff in your head that plays when you're creating or having the courage mm. you know to create there's something that's protective in you that's saying you know you shouldn't do that right yeah so let's see i think i got an answer for this one but i'm still going to answer it i mean still going to okay. ask it okay. uh how do you embrace your strangeness those, those qualities that make you unique that make you uniquely you and uniquely equipped in your creative pursuits. <laughs> the way that I embrace my strangeness 
is by looking at society and seeing the fucking mess that society. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, please. Excuse my friend. Seeing the mess that society is really lets me be like, I'm okay. I'm all right. I'm okay being odd because like, I'm not I've doing seen, that. <laughs> I've seen what normal is and I'm so good. I'm okay. I'm all right. I, I embrace my oddity yeah. like the, the 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 one of the, the things that I love that I saw online recently was you got to be in a perpetual cycle of do no harm and take no shit mm-hmm. right so the as long as I'm not harming anyone and no one's trying to give me shit I'm okay well let me have my strangeness you know what I mean let <laughs> me be this person like why you can't you know that, that's exactly. literally why, why does it harm me like one of my what I remember one of the stories that lives in infamy is I went out when I was a child. I had to be like six or seven years old. And my mom took us out to uh, Applebee's and my aunt was there. And Applebee's was always like me and my mom's thing. Mm -hmm. So I was really, I was already irritated that my aunt was there because she liked to kind of pick with people a little bit. So I'm going to order and everything like that. She was like, Raymond, what are you going to order? I was like, well, I think I'm going to get this burger. She was like, a burger? You could go anywhere and get that. I just sat my menu down. I was like, are you going to eat it? Is it yours? Why are you there? <laughs> and I got in trouble for it. I like I, I remember getting in trouble. It's like, you can't talk to an adult like that. I'm like, all right, well, let me be odd. Let me do my thing. Yeah. Don't worry about it. If it's is it affecting you somehow, I don't understand why. <laughs> I've done this thing when it comes to this, like early on, people were very weird when it comes to you. You're doing a podcast? Ugh, what's that? You're in your mom's basement? I was like, I'm gonna make money from this one day. Or <laughs> I, I'm I, like, like, why do you care? Like, what, what is why, this? Why do you matter? Like, this is this is my thing. It used, to, it, it, used to be a thing. it used to be a thing. People ask you, what do you do? Like when I was out there dating, it's like, oh, I'm a podcaster. I ghosting you. <laughs> and then, <laughs> that was literally the energy. And I was like, all right, cool, cool. Or the thing of, and I still get it on occasion now. You don't look like a podcaster. I was like, yo, this is wild, right? right? And, you know, it's just like, I'm just going to be in this little lane. I'm going to make my own lane out of it. I'm going to figure this out. And it's going to go really well. And that's just really what it is. And if it doesn't, why do I care if it doesn't? I'm just going to keep doing it. It's this, I know I'm going to mispronounce it, but it's this uh, Garabasu idea of Mm -hmm. regardless of what it is, I'm going to do my best. I think that when you make your own lane, you are not worried about being replaced by anyone. Mm -hmm. Like when you consistently know how to make your own lane and make your own space, replacement is not a concern. It's like, oh, well, I've always, this has been a very lonely lane, but it's my lane and I enjoy it. Uh, So let's see, I got one last real question for you. And then I got some rapid fire questions. Um, So, right. We all know that uh, social media and everyone on social media is living their best life. We all know how that goes. Everyone is just no, never lost. Everyone is LeVar Ball. No losses. Everyone's (laughs) winning. And I I know this this idea, this concept of uh, creativity is killed by comparison. So mm-hmm. through through your lens, through your your approach, what have you, like, how do you combat that sort of comparison? Because regardless, you know, you'll have people in your ear, like at least I know for me, hey, why don't you do this sort of like barbershop style podcast? Or why don't you do video? Why don't you shift into this? It's like, because that's not what I'm doing. But there naturally is sort of a comparison. Or if it's you're the person that's in the lane. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're kind of like driving this and you're just doing your thing. Naturally, people try to like connect you to another person. It's like, I'm not doing that. 
to do that sort of comparison work for you. Mm-hmm. And he started looking like, all right, you got this. Why didn't I get it? You know what I mean? So talk about comparison through your creativity. Comparison for me has everything to do with shifting that paradigm. Mm. Oh, comparison and and like the sense that you just brought it up, I, I sense like envy, jealousy or anything like that. And that's a very natural thing for, for a lot of people to feel. For me personally, trying to shift that envy or jealousy to just appreciation, where it's just like I can look at what somebody else is doing online and be like, wow, I can really appreciate that for what it is. And mm-hmm. it's different from mine. And I'm OK with that. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a, that's a, a different way that I've tried to look at it. Another thing that I do just to kind of protect myself is for long stretches of time, I just will not put things into the creative space. You're right. On like, I will take fat, like I will take a social media fast and I won't post anything. I might look at things. I I, I might not even do that. I just might get into this space where it's just like, I think like two years ago, I got, I was like creating content online and I went from me Monday to talk to me Tuesday, to <laughs> Wisdom Wednesday, to Throwback Thursday, to New Content Friday, to Support Saturday, to Support Sunday. And like, I just got into this cycle of like, just trying to put things out to keep up with everybody else. Yeah. And I got into this point where it's like, how much of this is my authentic voice? Mm-hmm. And when I asked myself that question, I realized not a lot of this is my authentic voice. I shut up. I just kind of took my voice offline. And I think one of the things that a lot of creatives miss out on is the idea of creating authentically and not creating so you can get engagement. Just, I think that social media is, it's, it's kind of like credit. It gives you enough validation to kind of do yourself in with. So what I try to do is when I feel like things are getting out of hand, I'll just pull back and be like, I don't necessarily need this as much. I think I'm funny. I like the music that I make. I like the things that I'm doing. And once I finally come back and start putting things out, people always like, it was like, oh, where have you been? I've loved this, blah, blah, blah. This is such a good thing. We've been waiting to hear this perspective. So I feel like that's the thing that's always kind of kept me balanced and kind of kept my feet on the ground. I like that. And yeah, we're, we're on the same page. Yeah, man. Must, must be that city. That city right there. It's the city. It's that city, <laughs> that beard, and that that ball that just you know I mean? all together. Uh, I'm, I'm alternate universe. You. <laughs> I have a couple doppelgangers. It's it's wild. It's, <laughs> it, it is wild. I was like, look, man. Uh, so I got some rapid fire questions for you. I got I got five of them. Uh, okay. Don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, what is the last thing that you search for on YouTube? Oh, so there's this guy that does did you know videos for movies. So okay. he's like, did you know that in Star Wars, this person's like he just has like all these like Easter eggs and gems and everything like that. Yeah. I've like I just went to like a whole rabbit hole <laughs> for hours. For yeah. hours. My wife was like, What are you doing? I was like, shut up, you're making me miss the points. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's great, man. It's like, uh, did you know this, I just learned this one last night that um so in the what is it? The Empire Strikes Back, they kept the leak. They kept it from leaking by lying to everybody. So when they filmed it, he said, Obi-Wan killed your father. And everybody thought that that was the thing. But on the premiere, they dubbed over his voice and said, I am your father. Changed the whole way. That's why everybody just flipped. Like even the actors, because they said Harrison Ford looked at Mark Hamill and was like, you didn't tell me that shit. Yeah. (laughs) 
And it's like, I would not know this if I didn't go on YouTube. I didn't, I, I would not know. I mean, that's a version of what I was doing on those, those movie nights. I was like, look, I like trivia. Here's some trivia. I love it. And it's, love it's it. a thing. <laughs> you know, you get to the oral history. Um, yeah. How many hours of sleep do you typically get? Six. And that's on a good night. If, if, rough, the, rough muse times. Is, if <laughs> the muse is here, I might get two or three. I, I feel like yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like Dusty Rhodes is keeping me up. It's like hard time, dead ass. You're not going to sleep. <laughs> it's like shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, favorite drummer. I know that's gonna be a thing. Uh-huh. That facial expression said it all, didn't it? I mean, I like that guy a lot. Like that was a, that. me and him uh, have the same birthday, by the way. I, oh, well, fair enough. I, I like that guy a lot. Thomas Pridgen is the one that just keeps jumping out in my head, though. Like, for like, if anyone challenges that, just listen to Lotus and the. Okay, so my favorite musician, period, hands down, is Thundercat. Right, that's one of my guys. And when I listen to Lotus and the Jondi, and I hear Thomas Pridgen go ham, each time I have to jump up to say shit. Like he's <laughs> he's that good. Like I'll just be driving and in the middle of his shoulder, I was like shit. It's like you you just hear something different each time. The guy's a monster. I like and not only with the audio of it, your face changes when it happens too. <clears throat> exactly. Like you feel like your body just tense up. You, you turn into a cue for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, you know, you, you have those sort of idols and I'm not a, I'm not a big podcast listener. You okay. know, when people ask me like, what's your favorite podcast? It's like, it just you know bleeds into what I'm doing, so it's like I kind of avoid. But I, I, I maybe look at it from a different way. Like you might ask me who's my favorite interviewer, you know what I mean, okay. or things yeah. of that nature. And I take different things from different people. So like I like what Questlove does on you know Questlove Supreme. I like yes. what um, James Lipton would do, or have you, or it's how the actor studio, or even uh, Sean Evans from Hot Ones. I mean, I'm not I'm not giving you you know I'm not like Uber eating you like some barbecue wings or something, but <laughs> you know still these are these are questions that may have especially with the rapid fire part, may not have anything to do with what we talked about before. Mm. Big facts. Uh, who, who was the artist that made you want to become an artist? Jay-Z. Yeah. Jay-Z's storytelling was amazing. And I didn't realize, I didn't really like hip hop or rap like that before. I kind of like, I, I enjoyed it because it was like the thing that you were supposed to enjoy when you were black. But <laughs> when I heard Jay-Z's blueprint the first time, that changed everything in my mind. That changed mm -hmm. everything. Cause like hearing his storytelling, hearing girls, 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 hearing song cry, like hearing all of these, yeah. like he had, he has a very magnificent way of telling a story and it's transferable to almost every discipline. Like I've seen uh, pieces of art that are constructed from his lyrics. I've seen uh, people like break down his, like his book and everything along. Like, I feel like, this might be egregious to say, but I feel like he's a genius. I I personally feel like that. Yeah. I personally feel like that. And when it when I saw that, each time that I'm looking for inspiration, I always try to go back to that moment where I was at Lake Clifton because it came out in 2001. And I was at Lake Clifton on the CND side. Just I had it on a tape. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is fire. I just had to flip it. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was too broke. I didn't have CDs, so I had it on cassette. I was like, yeah, this is great. I like hip-hop now. I, yeah, I mean, because of my inner pettiness, I have a, I have a fair amount of pettiness. It's like, yo, takeover's coming on right about now. 
I mean, I'm just saying. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like and, it, and 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 the thing that was interesting about it, the 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 sampling that was in it is a door song, like five to one or what have you. And I was yeah. really into the doors then. Yeah, I had a wild eclectic music taste in from City into Morgan. And some mm. of the looks that people were getting saying, why are you into why that? You doing this? It's like, why don't you kick rocks? Let me enjoy Lincoln Park and all these things. Yo. Just, just the just the mind fuck that happened when it was like two of my favorite things <laughs> decided to go into a collision court. I was like, I knew I was right. I knew I was right. Because after that, everybody else was like, oh, I love Lincoln Park. I was like, yeah. You over there making Gundam wings? You wasn't listening to crawling. <laughs> you making Gundam wings while breaking the habit is playing? Exactly, exactly. You don't know nothing about that. Ugh. I mean, that was such a thing. People, we had this one guy at City. He was just making people's Gundams for them. Mm. The models, he's making bread. I was like, Man. something is wrong about this. You know what I mean? Like, what's the point <laughs> for you to make it yourself and paint it? It is, it is the point. Of, that's the very therapeutic part of making Gundams. It's another thing I want to get back into. Gosh, oh, I used to, I used to do the model cars, and I gotta, I gotta get back to my things. Uh, so here's the last question I got for you, um, and, and maybe that was the answer. Um, but what was the first album you fell in love with? Mama's Gun. Mama's Gun by uh, Erica Badu. That set. It wasn't until I heard that album that I was like, this is the kind of music that I like. Like, you you know how you hear things consistently? It's like, oh, that's a nice song. Oh, that's a nice song. And it's like, I never found like an album that I just wanted to listen to consistently. Mm-hmm. I listened to Mama's Gun when it first came out at least 10 times in a row. And it was my sister, my sister, Joey. Yeah. She was like in the living room. I was on the computer, like trying to like figure out film and everything like that. This is like the year 2000. But I had like one of those like brick digital cameras that was like this big. And I was trying to figure things out. And she just kept the more like the first two times she played the album. I was like, this shit a vibe. This is nice. And it's like after a while, I just kind of stopped what I was doing. I just kept listening. And I was like, what's the name of this? <laughs> what is this? Where can I find this? And even now, like if you, I don't know, uh-huh. I see it. Goosebumps on my arms, bro. Like, Mama's Gun was is special, and especially when you get into like the the intricacy of it, how she changed the um, she changed the track listing of it at like the very last minute so it could fit sonically a little bit better. That was it. That was Chef's Kiss. I mean, that's that's great. Um, I I I I I don't know if I have an answer for that question for me. You know what I mean? Uh, Fair enough. I, Do you have a favorite uh, artist of all time? Same, same. I don't, I don't know if I have an answer for it. Uh, I, I, I can say this though. I'm a person that's really big into the amount of work someone does. Mm-hmm. So, like right now, like I like Krungbin like a lot. Uh, Toriwa like a lot, and it's like it's kind of the thing that you were touching on earlier. That's how I feel. Like I think <laughs> I'm gonna get a lot of shit for this, but I think rap has gotten so disposable. Mm. It can be a bop. It can be enjoyable, but mm. it's not like something that, for me, for my taste and sensibilities, that I'm going to be hooked on. Mm-hmm. I can find myself being hooked on other genres, and because I had the blinders on for so long, that I'm able to dip back into different genres. I was like, "Yo, this is fire!" So, if someone would go through my Spotify and they're like, "You are insane. You like everything," <laughs> and I mean, you know, you might have uh, like, I think I found this Swedish rock song that was at Union yesterday and mm. the guitar on it is so fire. 
And I was like, I'm here. I need more of this Viking music. Let's make it happen. <laughs> and it, it works. Or, you know, even finding like um, Vaporwave. I really like that as a genre. Nice. Vaporwave slaps. You got to put me on. You got to put me on. And now I got to look all these things up. Just, just go into anime and just type mm. in anime kind of like almost like anime 80s music. Okay. Mm. That's Vaporwave. I'm already kind of sold on that. Yeah. Just, so, just, so, yeah. You're, you're going to enjoy it. You're going to enjoy it. <laughs> so so with that, um, I, I want to move into this this kind of like uh, the wrap-up portion here. Um, and, you know, thank you for, for being on this podcast. And I want to um, uh, welcome you. I want to thank you again and um, invite and encourage you to uh, tell the fine folks where they can check you out, um, your work, and all things Smiths. Get those musings. There's a lot of musings that go out. <laughs> all right. So uh, first up is Spence Start. That's uh, on Instagram at Spence, S-P-E-N-C-E underscore S-T-A-R-T, Start. Um, I also manage the marketing for Motorhouse here in Baltimore City. So please follow Motorhouse. That's a part of my job. It's at M-O-T-O-R-H-O-U-S-E B-A-L-T-I-M-O-R-E Baltimore. Um, there's also another card game that I run. Oh, well, nah, nah, I don't run it. I'm co-owner of. It's uh, Mr. J Gaming. So it's M-R-J-G-A-M-I-N-G. That's also on Instagram. And finally, where you can follow the music. Uh, the band that I'm playing right now is called the Storage Unit Collective. We have the Vibe Check at Motorhouse the second Thursday of every month. So this upcoming Thursday is the Vibe Check. And you can follow us on Instagram at the underscore storage unit. That's one word together and underscore collective. I don't need to spell that out because that's <laughs> Well, there you have it, folks. I want to again thank my man Spence for coming on, chopping it up with me. And uh, I'm Rob Lee saying there's art, culture, conversation in and around your neck of the woods. You just got to look for it. Oh,